Tina Desiree Berg, and welcome to the 34. Los Angeles County Inspector General wrote a report claiming Sheriff Alex Villanueva promotes a, quote, code of silence surrounding secret deputy gangs. The report focuses on a deputy group identified as the Banditos. They say the members disrupt day-to-day operations at the East L.A. Sheriff's Station by creating tension between deputies who are members and those who are not. From inside the Compton Sheriff's Station, a deputy's claim filed with the county about an aggressive band of his cohorts allegedly in control. According to the claim, members are branded with a sinister logo. Which is a uh, skeleton wearing a Nazi helmet uh, with an AK-47 laughing. And go by a sinister name, the Executioners, which according to the claim does not allow African-American or female members. Deputy Art Gonzalez alleges the deputy gang is trampling on the rights of citizens and targeting him as a whistleblower. Deputy Gonzalez, um, he's he's afraid for, for his safety right now, as he should be. This is a violent gang, you know, violence, shootings, beatings. Why are y'all beating him? Claims of excessive force and much more. And the timing. As community outcry demands systemic change, allegations in the filing claim that as many as 40% of Compton deputies are inked executioners or prospects. Paul Tanaka, the one-time number two man in the L.A. County Sheriff's Department who ran for sheriff, is now going to federal prison for five years. And the judge who sentenced him, Percy Anderson, gave him a tongue lashing, saying, among other things, quote, Ambition and arrogance was more important than following the law. That's what he said. Uh, we, of course, disagree with that. Dean Stewart, attorney for Paul Tanaka, also reacted to when the judge told Tanaka, quote, you valued loyalty above honor. I think all of that blended into the judge's demeanor today at sentencing. It's most unfortunate, and that's why they give us a court of appeals. The sentence today demonstrated that, indeed, no one is above the law. U.S. Attorney Eileen Decker, so the case against Tanaka was built on solid evidence. His actions harmed the sheriff's department, harmed law enforcement everywhere. After a month-long trial, it took a jury less than an hour to convict Tanaka of obstruction of justice and conspiracy to obstruct justice. All of it surrounding an FBI investigation into alleged jail abuse at the L.A. County Men's Jail. I'm Tina Desiree Berg, and this week on the podcast, we are focusing the spotlight on the L.A. County Sheriff's Department election, which is coming up this year. We are also going to be looking at two bills that are passing their way through the state legislation that pertain not only to the county sheriff's departments, but also the district attorney's office. I have two special guests with me today. Jayong Carolyn Park is a civil rights litigator who has gone after the L.A. Sheriff's Department for civil rights violations, and she is also a delegate with the L.A. County Party. And then we have Brittany Nichols, who is an activist with Ground Game L.A. Welcome to you both. Thank you for having me. 100%. Really important subject. Um, I want to first open with a conversation about the Democratic Party and where they're at right now with their endorsement. So Alex Villanueva, who is the current sheriff, um, he ran as a Bernie Sanders supporter, obviously a Democrat, but now he is the guest at the LA GOP Christmas party and, uh, you know, ponying up to the GOP. So I don't think that he'll be continuing to curry favor with the Democratic Party. 
We now have two other candidates who have entered the ring. We have Rambo, Rambo who used to be uh, in the sheriff under Paul Tanaka, who, as many folks know, was you know, put in jail for a whole host of problems. And then we have somebody named Eric Strong, who I believe is a little bit more leftist. But what exactly is going on with the endorsement process right now? Because it might seem early for folks to be hearing about this, but I think the endorsement process is underway and it's quite important. Yeah, sure. There are actually a number of uh, sheriff candidates other than the ones you mentioned. Okay. Um, but the ones you mentioned are uh, some of the candidates. Um, the LA County Democratic Party, um, in, in rare circumstances, when they uh, want to put certain candidates in a, in a party recruitment track, um, will have um, endorsement recommendations from a committee called the Screening and Early Endorsement Recommendation Committee. Mm -hmm. um, and so they chose the sheriff's race um, as a, a race in which the uh, SEER committee would weigh in. So um, uh, some weeks ago, this committee voted in favor of recommending Cecil Rambo um, with a 68%, I believe, uh, vote. Um, it will go to a full vote um, of the uh, Central Committee members on January 11th. So do you think that this affects uh, the outcome of elections in Los Angeles? I know a lot of folks who don't pay attention, voters who don't pay attention to the nuts and bolts of who they're voting for often just vote on a party line. Um, in the case of a primary where you have more than one Democrat, I think they go for the one that's endorsed by the party without, you know, really, you know, questioning that. So how, how important do you think that this ultimately is going to be? It's hard to tell. Um, it's interesting because Cecil Rambo is somebody who just became a Democrat in June of 2021. Um, okay. He does have uh, many endorsements by establishment um, uh, electeds and, and leaders, um, but uh, there are there are other candidates who have gotten endorsements from other um, other Democratic clubs and who mm -hmm. do seem to have. Um, more, I would say, uh, voter, individual voter um, support. Um, okay. So hard to tell. I actually interviewed Alex Villanueva when he ran for office for about an hour and 15 minutes. And he campaigned as being very leftist, very reform oriented, uh, supporting Bernie Sanders, and saying he was going to do something about the gangs that are clearly in the LA Sheriff's Department, but now it's come to pass that absolutely none of that was true. So oftentimes I think these guys run campaigns based on what they think is going to win the election versus what they actually have for principles. Brittany, as an activist, where do you see this election going? Well, I have to say that I think that the party endorsement is pretty important. And I think that a lot of the candidates have caught on to the fact that uh, mimicking leftist or progressive language is very uh, fruitful for them. Um, and so as an activist, I think that it is 
on us to do our due diligence to really investigate those claims. Um, My dog agrees with you. <laughs> yeah, I think there was someone outside, unfortunately. Um, yeah, the, the dogs are really acting like cops just barking at the first thing they see. Um, He's but like, I think that's, that is dog speak for a cab. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's on us to do our due diligence and to really investigate these claims because a lot of these people that are running uh, have had high position, high ranking positions within their departments. Okay. So if you talk to the people at the departments, you know, they, they will give you a pretty honest opinion. They're not used to people asking them what they think of the people that are running. And we've saw that with Villanueva, you know, everyone in the department yeah. knew that he was a self-obsessed a-hole. Uh, and no one spoke to them because, you know, there's sort of this uh, separation that organizers and activists keep from law enforcement because ACAP. Uh, but in situations where we, we have to vote, this isn't a situation where we can pick someone that isn't a cop. Uh, our hands are really tied as far as what is possible to achieve in a race like this. We have to dig in and we have to make sure that we're not putting someone who is going to go back on all of their claims into office. And right now, uh, and historically, there has been this um, separation, this like purity of we're not going to mm -hmm. get involved at all. And that leaves this huge vacuum for people right. like Villanueva to swoop in, say a couple of key words, and everyone yeah. go, all right, I guess that's what we're doing. Yeah, no, 100%. And in fact, you know, I, the last time I had any exchange with Alex was during a press conference in which he was lying through his teeth about a situation. Um, and, and actually referencing video that I had shot, I don't know if he was realizing that when he was saying this. And so I called him out on this and basically <clears throat> called him a F word, I called him a fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> that yes, this video exists in the world somewhere, but I was just so driven to anger because he, he started to answer the question and right off the bat, he was lying about what he was saying. And I had sort of reached my, you know, point of like, I can't listen to this guy lie anymore. Um, so, you know, part of the problem is you're right, is that we have to elect somebody from law enforcement to be the sheriff. That's part of the part and parcel to the problem. We're going to talk about a bill that want to change, that's going to change that possibly in a minute. But before we shift gears into that, I want to talk about Rambo for a second, because here's a guy who basically started his campaign by tagging uh, Cerise Castle in a tweet saying, I'm not a gang member. Uh, she's a, a reporter that's obviously done a lot of reporting on LA, LASD gangs. Uh, yet here's a guy that it turns out was there with Paul Tanaka when Baca and Tanaka went down. Uh, you know, they both spent time in jail for corruption. They hit an FBI informant, uh, amongst other crimes. They're both part of gangs. Gangs are, are white supremacy gangs are genuinely a problem in the LA Sheriff's Department. I don't think that's a controversial statement. So why is it that Rambo thinks he can come out now and say, I'm not a gang, gang member. I never was. I'm your guy. I'm going to reform this stuff. Why should anybody believe him? I mean, they shouldn't, yeah. <laughs> uh, because uh, this is one of those cases where all the proof is there. He was named in multiple lawsuits uh, right. that were on a list made by the county of court cases involving deputy gangs. He was named as a defendant in an ACLU lawsuit alleging abuse at the jails. Um, and he openly admits that he know he knew of the gangs and didn't do anything. So right. uh, he's really counting on just, I think, a people being lazy. Uh, everyone is so desperate to get Villanueva out that the shiniest object is someone that they're willing to line up behind, even though all of the proof that he is just as bad, if not worse than Villanueva is there. He's just a sweeter talker. 
Um, and I think people don't do their research. People trust the party that they belong to. They trust the people that are in leadership. Um, and they're not used to questioning those decisions, even right. though we see time after time what happens. Yeah. Uh, and people just still, you know, it, it's hard work. You know, it's I'm not going to sit work. here and pretend like it's it's easy all the time. But sometimes, sometimes it is just a Google away to find out what someone has been up to. And with Rambo, it really is just... Google his name with maybe the name deputy, maybe with the term deputy gangs, maybe right. with the names Baka or Tanaka and go to those news results and you will find everything that you could want to know. That's right. Um, so Eric Strong, who is the other contender, my understanding is he's a little bit more open to reform. It, uh, now he's a Long Beach police officer, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, he was formerly in the Compton Department and he is now um, a part of LASD. He actually is the only candidate in the race who uh, did something that resulted in a firing of deputy gang members. So would Eric Strong, in your opinion, be considered some sort of a whistleblower? Oh, he has been a whistleblower several times throughout his uh, career. Has been on internal affairs. He was one of the only, he is the only person that's running who has actually uh, gotten people fired for their participation in deputy gangs. And he has a history of whistleblowing and trying to do what's right. Um, unlike these other people who have been in positions of power and let these things go by. So of course, you know, no one is more uncomfortable than me someone who <laughs> did research on the LASD gangs uh, series. I know a lot about the department. I've read hundreds and hundreds of cases about the misconduct that goes on every single day. Um, and this is, you know, the tip of the iceberg, Deputy Gangs is. The day-to-day -day injustices that are enacted by this department are horrifying. I don't want anyone else to read about it, but if you are curious, Right. All of this stuff is online. You can find these court cases. You can find all of these uh, things that go through their misconduct pro like protocol um, and the descriptions of the things that they do. Uh, and it's really, really bad. It is, in my opinion, sort of um, not a, a moral <laughs> stance to not speak up about who the best candidate in this race is, because though he is a cop, though we all do not like cops. He is actually putting forth policy that will make people safer. And of course, there is no safety as long as cops exist. But the amount of damage that they are able to do right now, unchecked, with no accountability, they can do whatever they want, even in their use of force. Like, we don't know what their use of force they, policy they, yeah, is yeah. because it's not even public. Right. Why is their use of force policy not public? Like, these are the sorts of things. Nothing with dangerous. them is, is they're so, yeah, the, the LA County Sheriff's Department is sorely lacking in transparency. And in fact, you know, like the, as bad as the LAPD is in this area, they're a hundred times better, which is a crazy statement. The LA Sheriff's Department is really, they have very little oversight uh, of sheriffs out there that do what they want. They're racially motivated. We know this, mm -hmm. you know, I've seen them out there in, in their Trump garb. I've heard them say racist things. I've gone through the Oath Keepers database now, in fact, and I found uh, several sheriff's department in there, some even using their sheriff's department email addresses. So they're not even embarrassed by uh, being associated with right-wing militia. So that's sort of what we're dealing with. Yeah, all that stuff is super normalized. It's just part of being a cop is yeah. <laughs> being <laughs> right-wing in a lot of cases. So 
as you're saying, with all of these things, they're having their email addresses attached. It's really normalized within a department. Um, you can see it on their social media. They have accounts sort of dedicated to making fun of the people that they're sworn to protect. They're super racist, they're super homophobic, they're super transphobic, uh, and there is no accountability for the things that they are putting out publicly. Um, and, you know, as much as being a Democrat really, there's a range, you know, I will say that it is a very loose term at this point. Someone who is yeah. a lifelong <laughs> Democrat like Eric Strong, to me, that's a big contrast to people running like Rambo um, and right. and uh, Luna, who also just became a Democrat. You know, they, they've realized that since Villanueva won, was able to unseat an incumbent, really a lot because he had the Democrat support, uh, that that is the viable route. That's how you unseat an incumbent is you prove that you're to the left of them. Yeah, I think you're right. That's sort of the game they're playing. Um, but I think we have to pay attention because obviously, you know, I I am sorry to say that I actually did uh, believe a lot of Villanueva's uh, commentary on reform. I thought he did understand the problems. And I know I'm not the only one. And, you know, the, but the proof is in the pudding. Obviously, you know, these guys are politicians like a lot of politicians and they want to win elections. Many uh, of us, many of us voted for Villanueva. Many of us believed what he said. Um, and LACDP uh, believed what he said. And so that's actually something that makes me hopeful about people actually doing their research this time because, um, because we were all duped last time. Um, and, you know, LACDP did get it wrong. Um, and so I think this time, you know, people are really going to want to do their own research. At least I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I hope people are paying more attention. Um, let's talk about the two bills that are winding their way through the state legislature now that I think are really important in, the, in this respect. The first one is SB 271. Uh, this bill is important because right now, in order for you to run for the sheriff, you have to be a law enforcement professional. That's part and parcel to the problem, I think. It's going to be tough to get somebody to reform a system when they are absolutely part and parcel to the system, right? It's hard for them to, to see the forest, the trees, I believe. Um, it's one thing for somebody to say, yeah, there's LA Sheriff's gangs. I'm going to fix them, you know, and be lying about that because I think uh, I'm not convinced at this point that Villanueva isn't part of that. I mean, it's, it's a little murky to me that, that he's being honest about that. Or somebody like Rambo, who um, saw it firsthand, and he might not have any gang tattoos because he showed us his arms and his legs, but he was certainly friends with these guys, certainly chummy with them. So you can't really get true reform if they're so ingrained into the system there, they're, you know, unable to see the forest through the tree, so to speak. So I think this is an important piece of legislation. Um, do you think this bill has a chance to get passed? Um, what are your thoughts on the bill? And do you think it will really make a bigger difference? Um, well, I think that it can make a difference. Um, as you said, right now, the law requires, California law requires that a candidate for the offices of county sheriff uh, have work experience in law enforcement within five years of filing to be a candidate. Um, SB, uh, Senate Bill uh, 271 would eliminate this requirement so that 
civilians without law enforcement experience can run for the seat. Um, I think that having somebody who um, didn't have to rise up through the ranks by, you know, maintaining the code of silence um, or participating in um, a pay to play scheme to rise up through the ranks, I think that that can um, make a big difference. Um, there is there is the um, possibility, I, I think that there's another hurdle in that I think individual um, county sheriff departments uh, or individual uh, counties can have their own kind of, um, you know, job, yes. job qualifications. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, but this law, if passed, um, would open up uh, the possibilities for who can run. Um, as far as whether it's going to make it through, I mean, hey, that's up, that's up to us. Um, right. the, <laughs> the bills um, that have already been pending um, since earlier this year, uh, they will be taken up in January. Um, so if we, if, if we um, as individuals um, or as organizations um, push our uh, California lawmakers to pass this, then it will pass. Um, right. Of course, it's, it's um, the law enforcement associations uh, and unions who are opposing this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and a lot of people don't know about this bill, uh, unfortunately, but no, they don't. Know. And I think it's important that people hear about it because for some reason there hasn't been a lot of attention surrounding this. I mean, I understand that a lot of media doesn't pay attention to things that they think aren't going to be sexy as far as a news story, but, um, I'm surprised the more activists aren't seen a, a getting behind this particular bill because I think it would matter. I think you, I think opening up the pool of available, um, available talent, so to speak, to take this job on would be helpful. I mean, so do you think, um, Brittany, do you think any of the activist groups are going to start talking about this or no? What, what are you seeing out there? I think eventually, possibly, if we keep talking about it, then other people yeah. will also talk about it. Uh, yeah. But I think it sort of falls into that bucket of this thing is so broken that we don't even engage with it. And what happens when we don't engage with That's these true. issues is we leave a lot of stuff on the table. We leave a lot of opportunities to remove power um, and sway from these, from the cops. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, abolition isn't something that's going to happen overnight. Um, and the reality is most people are not abolitionists, but right. you know what a lot of people agree that they have too much money, that they have too much power, that they're murdering people with no consequence. Um, and so really using that as the point of entry, I think is much more powerful and going to reach a lot more people than just mm -hmm. simply detaching and saying no one for sheriff. There's nothing to be done until the system is perfect. This is going to be a very long fight. There's going to be a lot of middle ground in which there have to be a lot of tactical decisions from the left of how to remove power. Uh, because even, you know, even if someone that is not, has never been a cop gets uh, voted in as sheriff, they're, 
we see this with elected officials all the time. You're still in a system that is actively hostile to you, that is not going to make it easy for you to remove those uh, pieces of power. Uh, it's going to take attacks from every single angle for us to actually remove power from LASD and from the ALADs and all of these unions, we have yeah. to be attacking from literally every single direction and leaving anything on the table, I think is just unwise and it's gonna make it even longer before we reach the goals that we want to, which is for community care to be what replaces these systems, for us not to be dependent on systems that uh, vilify community members that make it impossible for them to reintegrate into society that remove resources and services from the communities that are most over-policed. You know, it, it takes all types of people. It takes all sorts of approaches. And I think that people finding exactly what it is that calls to them and where they do feel comfortable helping in this fight is important. And it might be something like this. If Right. talking to the California State Assembly and your state senators yeah. is something that you feel comfortable with, but, you know, maybe the more uh, leftist, more, I don't want to say extreme, but that's how people phrase it. That sort of extreme phrasing isn't, right. you know, what gets you up in the morning. Then this is, some, <laughs> this is something that you can slot into pretty easily and, you know, push for these things. There are so many different avenues that we could be fighting right now. And I just really see that detachment that you're talking about is really harmful to the thing that we say we all want. I agree. Has um, Eric Strong taken a position on um, SB 271 at all or? I'm not sure, but you know what? Okay. People should ask him about it. That's part of yeah, the problem. I, is, I, is... I'm going to try to get him on the podcast to talk to him to see where he's coming from on that. Um, right. Yeah, run him down the line. Like get yeah. these people... <laughs> on the record with where they stand on these things. Because right yeah. now, this big question of, oh, how do you feel about deputy gangs? It's really making the conversation so limited and so yeah. easy for them to answer that we're not getting to the things that right. actually show how people feel about this stuff. If they are right. actually invested in at reallocating resources. And as far as I know, he's the only candidate who has actually said, I will reallocate resources. You have Rambo who's being like, yeah, we, we should put more money in homelessness uh, response and in mental health response. And then you ask them, okay, so are you willing to take a mean? pay cut? What does that mean? And nothing, you get nothing because they're not really interested in doing it. They're interested no. in saying the things that sound good, but in practice, they are not committing to the things that we actually need to be see done and advocated for by the sheriff so that the board of supervisors says, Okay, right? Because they're constantly pushing against someone. Imagine what things would look like if the per if the sheriff was saying, yes, I agree with you, take 10% of our budget and put it towards these things and you will not hear a word from me. That's a completely different, we've never That's, had yeah. that happen. That's a game No, we've changer. never had that happen. Well, part of it too is, is when they say things like, yeah, it should go into homelessness. My, my immod automatic response to this guy is like, in what way? I want to know exactly precisely what you mean by that, because right now we're looking at a situation, for example, within the LAPD where they're doing ho homeless outreach. I wouldn't call it homeless outreach whatsoever. What I would mm -hmm. call it is criminalizing poverty. Exactly. So I exactly. need a definition for these things. Um, you know, part and parcel to this, too, is a conversation about where the establishment Democrats lie in this, right? A lot of them agree with the policing because they're wealthy and they want their property protected. That is more of an overarching concern, I think, for these folks. 
than civil rights are, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know that many of them will admit that publicly, but it's sort of the impression that I get when I see their actions and what they say. Uh, for example, you know, Eric Garcetti, I don't think he's been a friend of of the entire defund the the police movement, right? He's he's done the opposite. He takes money away, but then he gives it more. Mm-hmm. And folks need to understand when people say defund the LAPD, they're not talking about having absolutely no presence. They're talking about the fact that this is an organization that's taking 54% of the city budget right. and, and the things that they're getting tasked with, they should absolutely not be tasked with. Homelessness mm-hmm. is one of them. Right. There are better ways to handle this. Um, yeah. And I think that's about finding that common ground, right? Because whether you're an abolitionist or not, right now, the steps that we need to be taking are completely in line, right? It's only, it's much further down the line where we're going to get to the point where we go, okay, now we disagree. But this first step of defunding and moving all these resources, on, yeah. we all agree on. We all know that cops should not be out with guns at encampments, putting people in jail because they don't have a place to live. For, yeah. Not everyone in LA. There are a lot of people who do actually agree with that. But for the most part, <laughs> I would say a majority of people understand that that is not the way forward. And exactly what you were saying with how, what does that look like, right? We have LASD, they have the host teams, which deals with unhoused folks, and they have the MET teams which deal with, uh, with mental health. And right wow. now, one of the things we are seeing is that funds are being allocated, which is reform, right? Which is not actually what we are interested in. People use the word reform a lot, but we're interested in removing power. We don't want to change the system a little bit. We want to completely remove mental health and dealing with unhoused people from the scope of that department. Yeah, they're they're not able to handle these things in an adequate way. I mean, if their first response is to shoot somebody that's having a mental health crisis, this is absolutely immoral in my opinion. They have, they have absolutely killed people that are in the throes of a mental health crisis when that could have been handled differently and nobody needed to die. Right. And it's, a, it's just crazy to me that this continues to even be a conversation. I mean, it's, it, it shouldn't be this. I think we no. can all agree that this is not where we should be as a society, right? Yeah. And we should be leading right now. You know, the way that we're leading is we're criminalizing homelessness and we're seeing in right. San Francisco right now, Breed is talking about, we're going to offer you uh, shelter. And if you say no, then we're going right. to put you in jail. This is something insane. that LA has already did. We did that on Skid Row and it didn't work. It further not, entrenches yeah. people in homelessness. Yeah. Uh, we need to move those services away from cops point blank period. And right, right. now we're in this little area where people are going to say, Yes, we agree, but the way that we're going to get there is we're going to give more money to the cops first, and then we'll see if we can figure something else out. When it's, you know, unless these alternate services have the resources and the money and the structure to succeed, you know, they're going to use that against us, or they're going to say, hey, we did it halfway your way, and it didn't really work, so we're going back to what we've been doing. So we have to keep the pressure on to make sure that we are not reforming we are reimagining. We are doing something different than has ever been. Well, not even that has ever been done. We just start doing this shit. Yeah, <laughs> policing, has not, this. policing has not always been like this. Homelessness has not always been at these levels. But, you know, part of it too is, is, and I see this time and time again, this disconnect, right? With, with these folks in the Democratic Party. Every time I approach one of the board of supervisors and I try to have this conversation, I get shut down by them because they don't want to have this conversation. But here's the deal. Unless we tackle the underlying causes to poverty, 
homelessness isn't going to go away. You cannot pay rent in Los Angeles or San Francisco on $15 an hour. That is impossible. It simply can't be done, Mm -hmm. let alone buy food or anything else. So the fact that they aren't willing to tackle that says it all to me. They're not serious about handling the situation. People should be getting paid a minimum of $30 an hour in both of these cities. Minimum. That would be poverty. Mm -hmm. I think what what you said I think what you said earlier um, is is very true. Um, what you said about um, you know the people who have property to protect um, have the loudest voice, and I think that most of them are not doing the kind of uh, reimagining that we are, and their first impulse. Um, the first impulse, frankly, of most people is just to, to crime is just to say, we need, we need more policing. Um, and, you know, honestly, in my experience, when I'm, when I've spoken to senior lead officers, um, and even police chiefs, they're like, we don't want to be doing the mental health calls. You know, we don't, we don't want to be doing, um, you know, the uh, substance abuse calls. Um, so, you know, how, how can we get there? How can we get there? Um, and that's to fund those services. Yeah. Um, but it's not a popular stance. Uh, it's not the most popular stance um, because, of, um, because of the lack of, of, of imagining what, what things can actually be like if we tackle the root causes of, of crime. It has to do with greed. Honestly, these are folks that are wealthy and they want to keep their wealth and they have, you know, solidified legislation to, to allow them to do so now for, you know, a couple of decades. So it's going to be very tough um, to change that in my opinion, but I do think it has to be addressed. And, you know, when you've got half of the Democratic Party agreeing with the Republicans on this, it's a really difficult um, situation for everybody else. Even if the police say, we don't want to handle those things, they still want the money that, that comes attached with that. And they're not willing to give that money up, right? So they're saying, I don't, we don't want to provide those services, but you can't take away those budgets from us. Because a lot of, of the large bu- budgets that we're seeing in law enforcement are under these, you know, subcategories. If you, if you look at a budget breakdown on where this money is coming from. Um, and part and parcel to that is the unions, I think. Um, Lapple is, you know, my God, they've attacked the ACLU. They show up in uh, the parking lot of council, city council members that are saying that we should cut this budget. They are very aggressive, uh, you know, about that. And, and I think it's very problematic. Oh, yeah, they're super scary. I mean, imagine <laughs> if you just were an entire body of people that are never held accountable you could just shake, you just shake people down forever. What would ever stop you from saying, just give us more money? It, they wouldn't be happy if they had a hundred percent of the budget. There is no level of satiation like for them. They want it all and they want to do as little as possible. And they want to clock overtime every time they well, go to you work. Know, that's a problem too. If you look at some of the salaries, it's insane. Like the uh, under sheriff, uh, last year made se- over $700,000. And yes, you heard that correct audience, over $700,000. That's crazy to me. Oh yeah, they're rich. They're rich and they don't live in LA. And they don't, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> That's part of it too. You know, we can have that conversation as to whether or not, and it was one of the things I'd actually asked Alex when he was running for office. You know, you're, you're, you guys are, you know, more or less sending in 
outside forces to communities you don't live in are not part of, um, don't understand. And I, and I think it's a problem. You know, that was one of the things that he agreed with me on in the interview, but I, he has done absolutely nothing to change that. Yeah, I mean, but that's, you know, another thing that they use as a guise to send in more people to black and brown communities. They say, oh, we're going to do community policing. We're going to have people that live in these neighborhoods come and police them. And it's it's all just an excuse there. They will find every single way possible to get more money. And one of those ways is saying, I agree with you. Yes, I agree with you. We need to send more cops that live there into these neighborhoods. And you just go, wait, is that what we wanted? Nah, Brittany, you're so right. Because, you know, the funny thing is, is what ended up happening is nothing changed. And his response is like, we tried to hire diverse community members in these communities and they didn't want the jobs or, uh, you know, the budget wasn't there. We need a budget increase in order to do that. I've heard both of those things come from his mouth and I don't think either of them is actually true. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. I mean, and black and brown people can be racist and homophobic and transphobic the same way everyone else can. They can also, Absolutely. as we no just group saw is monolithic. with the LAPD shooting, like yeah. being black or brown does not keep you from being a cop. You're still a cop. <laughs> Right. That's, the, you know, that's, but this is a thing that white liberals do. And I see it time and time again, they believe that every um, community that is not theirs is monolithic and mm-hmm. agrees with them. And the minute anybody within that community disagrees with them, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you poor thing. You just don't understand. And it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. 100%. I mean, that's sort of what Rambo has been using to really yeah. get a foot in this race of saying I would be the black first black sheriff. I'm black. I'm black. Black people love me. Here I am. I'm black. And people are like, ah, oh, yes, he is. He is a black man. That, that is true. So he must be good. And it's like, no, you cannot, you cannot boil these things down to no. identity politics. This is not the boilerplate of this is a black person. So they must be good. Uh, it's not true. It doesn't work. It's really harmful. It's actually pretty racist. It's to even I think it's use incredibly racist. I agree. Yeah. It's very racist because you're, you're basically taking away individual agency for every member of that community. Nobody does that to white people. Does anybody ever say all you white people think the same? Yeah. I mean, and it takes away the agency of people that don't belong to that community because it's saying you can't even point out a valid oh, criticism well, yeah. of this person because That's they're true. black, which is not Okay, I hate when people do that. It is one of my yeah. biggest pet peeves to ever, I would never want someone to use one of my identity markers as a way to not hold right. me accountable for something that I've done. Right, fair enough. Um, so there's a second bill that is going through, uh, it's an assembly bill, not a Senate bill, um, 759 that I wanna talk with, uh, with you guys about for a second. This is a bill that would basically change the election cycle for the uh, county sheriffs and the district attorney's office to match the presidential election cycle. And the thought process behind that is more voters participate in the presidential election cycle than they do any other cycle, which is absolutely true. And it's by a large amount. And if we do this, we're going to get more voter participation in regards to both of these offices. That's the logic. It makes perfect sense to me. Now, of course, the pressure against this is coming from, you guessed it, the police unions. Um, I see some very fuzzy logic coming out of uh, Chad Bianca, who is the Riverside Sheriff and Alex Villanueva, LA County Sheriff. They're both they, both against this bill saying that it would let um, more criminals do more crimes, uh, et cetera, et cetera, which is just absolutely ridiculous logic in my opinion. Um, are either of you following the, this bill and do you have an opinion on it? Um, I... I actually only recently found out about this bill. 
Um, but um, I did see that it has a lot of support from kind of um, uh, justice-minded um, organizations. And like you said, it's opposed by the police associations, um, law enforcement associations, et cetera. Um, I, you know, why, why the law enforcement <laughs> associations would not want more people to vote um, in, for in the sheriff's election um, yeah. is, is highly suspicious. And yeah, um, yeah. and in my opinion, uh, the more people who weigh in um, on who should be sheriff, the better. Um, the kind of weird thing about this law is that um, because we do have a sheriff's um, election coming up this or next year in 2022, yeah. the next person who is um, elected for sheriff it is going to be in office for six years. Um, so that's why we have to be extra careful about yeah. who is occupying that position. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Brittany, have you been paying attention to this at all? Uh, I've heard of it and I am pro it. I mean, we just saw this happen with LA City Council where we people had longer terms to line up uh, so that we could get more people voting and it worked. And it we worked. saw that one of the results of that is that we got one of the most progressive on progressive people on LA City Council that we've ever had. Um, voter participation, you know, there's a lot of people that will say that automatically equals uh, more progressive people winning. I don't know that I agree with that, especially with countywide races where there are just so many people and it's so hard, so much harder for grassroots candidates and progressive candidates to fundraise on that scale to compete with people that have corporate money and cop money. Um, but I think in the long run, this is something that we might have to take a hit on up front to again build power for generations uh ahead of us for people that are come gonna come along later down the road and just fight like hell to make sure that the bad things that could happen in one race don't happen um but yeah voting should be the easiest thing one of the easiest things to do in this country and the fact that it isn't uh means that people don't want you to vote because if you are aware of how much power is on the table, you will be upset at how it is being used. And one of the Absolutely. ways that people let people know about that, one of the things the ground game does is that's how we, you know, we use electoral politics as a backdoor to have these conversations because it is a way that people understand, oh, this is normal that someone is trying to talk to me about issues now. If you come to someone outside of like electoral times and you're like, hey, can we talk about some issue-based campaigns? They're like, what, what year is it? Why are you trying yeah. to talk to me? But when you have an election, it's just an easy way in. People are much more right, willing right. to have these conversations. Um, yeah, it's more forefront. Yeah. More forefront. And yeah, so more people voting, more people to have conversations with, more people that are paying attention, more people that are going to pay attention to what happens once someone is in office. Because we know that when you vote for someone, uh, it's much more likely that you pay attention to things that they do. When you donate even a dollar to someone, much more likely that you pay more attention. So to me, that just means uh, an opportunity, at least for more accountability moving forward, even beyond the scope of just the election. Right. You know, speaking of accountability, the sheriff's department still doesn't have body cams. How is this? 
how is this possible in 2021? One of the things, another thing that Alex Villanueva, you know, ran on was we're going to have body cams, still don't have the body cams. He's constantly blaming the board of supervisors for that. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, he's a nut and <laughs> I don't really know the nuts and bolts of rolling out body cams. Um, but I know that it's a way to get a lot more money. And I know that he has used that as a way to get more money. Right. So right. I think in his eyes, it's already been successful because that's what it was about for him. It's not about the Whether increased ever accountability. Yeah. Right. Um, and also it's like, how hard is it for us to have access to those body cams? Body cam footage, that should be CPRAable, in my opinion. We should be able to have access to well, any body cam footage that exists. I agree with you. Technically it is, but whether or not you get it from a CPRA request, you know. No, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. And also there's no, you know, oversight for CPRAs, right? So these tools that we have, that's what we keep finding is all these checks that we're supposed to have on the sheriff's department don't work (laughs) because it requires their participation and they just say no. No, it is. I've, I've had this happen more than once. In fact, Jayong and I talk about this all the time. Like, how do I have to sue these guys to get this information? Although I will say since the ACLU has gone after them, uh, they're starting to be a little bit more transparent and forthcoming. I did get uh, a, a treasure trove of some requests uh, fulfilled the other day. You know, but that also kind of puts me on a suspicious point where like, well, are they, you know, just picking and choosing what they're, you know, deciding to be transparent about because some other stuff is still getting denied and body cam footage would be one of them. Well, and also what they turn over is completely up to what they deem to be within the scope of your request. That's actually a thing that Robert Luna, who's running, did is just lied about whether they had the information that someone was doing a CPRA on. Like, there's just so much stuff. There's just so many ways that they avoid accountability and just- 100%. It's so, it's just, we have no real idea of all of the things that they do. That is what is most terrifying to me is all of these things that we know that are so bad. There's so much more that we have absolutely no idea is happening. Oh, hundred percent. That's absolutely, truly the case. And it is scary, you know, and really it, it, it's not beneficial for them ultimately either. Uh, so the one last question I want to ask you, the LAPD, um, is just really like pushing the limit here on shootings at the end of the year. We recently had a young girl that was killed inside the dressing room in front of Burlington, inside Burlington Coat Factory. We had another shooting where somebody was killed the week before. What's going on here? Uh, What's driving this, do you think? I mean, I think that's just how they are. It's just like a, a, there, I mean, there have been crops of this even earlier in this year that were like, there was another yeah. week where there were multiple shootings in a week. I mean, none of these are, that's just what are they justified. Do. It's just of what they do. Not. But I, the I, state should not have the power to murder people, for which is what they crime. actually are doing. I agree with you. To me, this is just state, on a certain level, it is state sanctioned murder if they get to just you know fire their guns at will and there's no accountability i mean the uh, the immunity that they're granted currently is needs to go because they should be held responsible and i was hoping after you know the george floyd verdict that we would see uh, some of the immunity protections disappear but that absolutely hasn't happened uh gascon said he's willing to tackle this he has not yet what is your opinion on that do you think gascon is going to change that uh or no, I mean, I think he's more in that direction than Jackie Lacey was, but. I mean, I, you know, I hope that he will um, tackle this. 
I think that the, the, the tack of, you know, going after individual officers, you know, that's, that's a, sm a very small part of the equation. You know, I mean, what would have really changed, what would have really, um, you know, saved these people's lives? Having, uh, you know, the, 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 the man who was killed, having had uh, mental health services, that's what right, would have, right. that's would have, would have prevented this. Um, you know, I, 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 I would like the focus to be on um, demanding uh, the, the alternatives to policing and the, the mental health services and the substance abuse services and the domestic violence services and the, the education and the recreational opportunities for youth and, and, and job training. I, I, that's what I'd like to see. Um, you know, I, know, I think that's definitely part of it. I think it's definitely part of it. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. I also have concern about what I would call just absolute recklessness on behalf of many of these officers. I think they engage in absolutely reckless behavior. I don't, you know, for example, I go back to that night where that police cruiser uh, gunned his car with the two activists in front of it. They were on the hood and he didn't slow down. He went faster. One of them flew off. This happened right in front of me. The cop almost hit me, in fact. I was really shocked by this because it was a really reckless decision that he had made. If he had a problem with these two activists, he should have gotten out of the cruiser and handcuffed them. What he did was just an absolutely reckless decision. And it's just one of many examples that I've seen. I, I guess what I'm wondering is, what do we do about the individual reckless behavior of some of these officers? I think part of it is that they're not held accountable for what they do. I guarantee that that guy, I was never able to get his name, is still on the force and he shouldn't be. He demonstrated really reckless behavior that as far as I'm concerned should disqualify him as being an officer, right? I, what do we do about that? Yeah, I mean, I, again, from all of the things that I've read and the research that I've done, this isn't reckless behavior. They do this stuff on purpose. They want to kill people. <laughs> I think that that's like another part is like people are like Fair. really continuing to give these people the benefit of the doubt when they do not deserve it. They have proven that they don't deserve it over and over again. They want to murder people. He pushed yeah, it's, the it's LAPD shocking. guy pushed everyone out of the way who had less than lethals because he had a rifle because he wanted to shoot someone. Yeah. This is a culture. It's not just bad apples. It is the entire culture of it. And it is going to take people in charge who are putting checks on the department from within. That means uh, removing guns, taking, making these people unarmed that are responding to these crises until these other alternate things exist. There's no reason that a cop has to have a gun at all. So why are cops at picnics with guns? What yes. can anyone explain that no. to me? It does not make any sense. So it's it's a culture and it's about these okay. use of force policies. It's about the lack of accountability. It's about the power that the unions have. It's about the culture that we live in because even in that shooting, you have people who are, you know, the only reason that we know about it is because a 14 year old girl died. That's the only Which reason. I, it, this is, I, I'm, I'm without words. I'm so angry over this, by the way. Can you tell? It's just, it makes me want to throw up a 14 year old girl. This is just not excusable. So and reckless. what's, but that, and that's the problem is that that's where we are putting that line is that it becomes inexcusable when a 14 year old girl dies. To me, it is inexcusable oh, that that man died as well. 
I he should not have been murdered. He didn't. I agree that, with you. Like just because someone makes a mistake, just because someone is experiencing uh, an, an emergency and causing harm, does not mean that you have the right to come and murder them. And that no, until the line of what is unacceptable yeah. moves yeah. In, in our entire culture and the way that we frame these things and, and what is worthy of discussion and outrage, we're going to be stuck in this same loop because her dying is awful. Him dying is awful as well. Them having oh, a rifle in that situation when there was a store full of people is absolutely ridiculous and it should be illegal. That is what, that should be illegal. That should not be legal. That should not be in policy. That should not be allowed, period. And we're not having that conversation. We're having the uppermost, upper crust conversation that keeps us from addressing the systemic cultural issues that underlie policing that (laughs) is what is going to make people say, we need to get rid of this shit. I have no argument with you. I, I agree with you. I think it is systemic. I think the recklessness that we see doesn't get checked and then they become more emboldened the next time because nobody checked him on it, right? And then you got Michael Moore that goes out there and uh, you know creates a defense for the guy, for the officer, right? Every time he comes out. Uh, you know, William, who is a cop watcher down here um, in Los Angeles, his Twitter handle is uh, uh, Film the Police. I don't know if you've seen his work. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, they went after him a couple weeks ago and arrested him. I went down to the uh, Hollywood station uh, with a group that was bailing him out to to film the whole thing. And the, you could tell these cops have a vendetta for him. They don't like the fact that he's out there with a camera exposing what they're doing on a daily basis. They know him. They know what he's doing. They don't like it. So that, to me, is also part and parcel to the problem, right? This is still the same culture where where it's allowed for them to say, you don't get to, you, you guys don't get to oversee us. Well, then who does? You are employed by us. We are the people of California. We are the people of the city of LA. We pay your damn salary. We get yeah. to have a say in your actions, or at least we should. And mm-hmm. if we want to you know, have access to your body cam footage or whatever else, we should have access to that. Transparency is everything. And right now that's not happening. And it's being protected by, you know, political parties, police unions, um, wealthy elites that are uncomfortable with having this conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and a whole host of others. So I do think it's systemic. I do think it's a culture and the, the shift can't happen soon enough. And I'm not sure that it's, I think it's starting to happen. Let me put it that way. I, I don't think it's gone to the point yet where we're at a majority of the uh, population going, oh yeah, this is really bad. Every now and then they'll get upset over something they see like this 14 year old girl getting shot, but then it disappears again, right? It's not like a, a sustainable anger that motivates them to actually say like, this is enough. Right. Uh, I mean, the, the fact that so many um, law enforcement um, officers and deputies won't even wear a mask um, and get vaccinated and refuse to get vaccinated, that already tells you so much because that, you know, it's literally a public health hazard. Yeah. And I, I mean... I, I can't imagine that they, you know, some of these officers who haven't been wearing masks and haven't been getting vaccinated, um, you know, have passed on the COVID-19 to folks um, in their interactions. Um, and that alone just tells you so much. Oh, I agree. Super self-absorbed. And in fact, they had a huge COVID outbreak, uh, outbreak in the Hollywood station. Um, and 
including wives that were married to officers because the vaccination rate was so low in there. And you're right, they're, they're dealing with public members with absolute disregard for whoever's health that they're engaging. And I see them at skirmish lines, not wearing masks. And you're like, wow, I know you're not vaccinated either. So leading cause uh, of death in the department because it's COVID. COVID. That's, <laughs> that's insane, right? Wow. Um, parting words, Brittany, what is ground game working on? Anything important that we haven't discussed? We're working on a lot of stuff all the time. <laughs> Fair. Uh, but, you know, as far as electoral work, uh, if you go to our website, you can see the candidates that we've endorsed. Um, there okay. are, you know, uh, deadlines looming constantly and uh, you got to donate so that we can win because, yeah. you know, in our estimation, in our analysis, we cannot move these big pieces until we have people in office that are willing to move them and that and not just one or two we need a majority of people that are willing to do this uh because as we saw in 2020 we were in the streets for months we were doing every other piece that is necessary to move these things but because there were people in office who simply said no that was it uh and i think that people just have to be honest <laughs> about like that is the way that's the system that we're currently operating under i hate the system i want to destroy it i wish it didn't exist uh it, and, it, and it, that's possible because we created it that's the thing we always have to remember is all of these systems that exist we made them up so we can also get rid of them it's just going to take a lot of work it's going to take a long time and local politics is an important uh piece of that puzzle so pay attention and uh get involved volunteer Absolutely. Uh, Carolyn, what's going on with the LA County uh, thing? Any news there that you want to share? G Young. Um, oh, sorry. Well, I no first problem. met you as Carolyn and that's in my head. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I really want folks to dig in and do the research about the sheriff candidates. Um, and if you know any uh, LA County Democratic Party people who are voting on January 11th, um, you know, please push them to uh, to do their research and vote for the candidate who is willing, who is real, who has a track record of of actually holding um, fellow uh, deputies or officers accountable um, and. You know, and I don't want to limit uh, it to just the the LACDP. Um, you know, when it comes time to vote, please, please, please do your research before you vote. Um, and there are going to, I'm sure there are going to be lots of voter guides out there. So, you know, find one that you trust and. Um, and what, what is, in your opinion, what are the, what is a good one that's not, because I know this is really important what you're bringing up here. There are these ones that people pay to get into, and there's ones that are actually genuinely people saying, let's endorse these candidates. Do you have a handful that you would trust to um, lead people to as far as endorsements go? Knock.LA does a okay. voter guide. So I knock, oh, is knock doing okay great yeah knock is doing at knock.la on twitter and i think knockla.com uh okay, for cool. the website there will be uh a voter guide for not just la races but we also do some la county stuff we i'm not oh, in knock but knock is a project of ground game so i'm familiar right, with, right. with what they do <laughs> 
That's fabulous. I didn't know you guys were doing um, doing a voter guide. That's great. So yeah, Knock LA is great. They've published some great articles too. I, I am a fan. <laughs> and also Alex Villanueva is not a fan. <laughs> no, does not like us at all. Does not. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. It's like having that- worked on the, um, um, oh my gosh, the uh, uh, LA future. Oh my gosh. Oh, future project. Future left. Uh, future, future left. left. Okay. <laughs> future, I worked on the future. Left guide. Um, okay. That's Matthew Donovan's organization, I believe, or am I right? He's, he's one of the co-founders. Okay. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm particularly proud of, of having worked on that because we got the positions on um, Prop 22 and, and the cash bail positions, right? Um, where, uh, you know, some other ones didn't take a position or, or got it wrong. Um, but I don't think that it's, it's um, I don't think that they're going to put one out um, this election, the next election cycle. Um, but so I think, you know, I think knock would be um, a good one. Right. Okay. No, it's a great one. All right. Jayon Carolyn Park, Brittany Nichols, thank you for joining me this week for this really important discussion on the upcoming sheriff's election and the bills that affect it. Um, folks, get out there and pay attention to what's going on. It's really important stuff that affects all of us. And have a happy new year.